The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hello, my name is Ben Bowler from OneGod.com. Together with our partners at the Interspiritual Network and Presence International, we are thrilled to welcome you to this 13-part radio series called The Convergence, uniting the tribes in the interspiritual age. The rest of this decade and the next few decades represent a critical juncture in the evolution of our planet. At a time when consciousness is rapidly expanding, multiple crises on a global scale are also escalating. The sense of urgency is palpable. The question is this, will we wake up and will we grow up just in time to turn this around and navigate our way safely through these straits? If we are to accomplish this, two things are clear. We must do it all together, and we must do it now. It is in this spirit that we present to you The Convergence, a journey of waking up and growing up with Dr. Kurt Johnson and friends, together with some of the world's leading philosophers, thinkers, artists, activists, visionaries, and intergenerational leaders. We explore the cutting edges of spirituality, consciousness, ecology, social justice, and a host of interconnected fields, all essential in moving our planet forward towards a peaceful and positive future. It is my pleasure to introduce to you the series host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. Thanks, Ben Bowler, for that general introduction to the Convergence series. This is your series host, Dr. Kurt Johnson of the Interspiritual Network, and I'm here with Doug King of Presence.tv, our episode co-host, for an exciting discussion about the future of the world's religions. We're going to be dividing this episode into two parts. The first will involve the future of the world religions in the context of our world going global and multicultural, already a pervading reality in which traditional boundaries of all kinds are breaking down. As Doug will mention, this discussion is often called the trans-narrative discussion. In other words, what happens when all of the world's quite varied religious narratives are all on the table at the same time in a global civilization. In the second half of the hour, we're going to be talking to representatives from across many of our world's religions to ask them about this future, given this landscape of a world that's going global and multicultural. So I want to ask Doug now, and in this segment, he and I are going to discuss the general implications of this trans-narrative phenomenon that's inevitably unfolding. But first of all, Doug, tell us a bit more about yourself and about the work of Presence and your work across this area of the trans-narrative discussion. Great. Thank you so much, Kurt. It's a great pleasure to be with you on this series of episodes on convergence. And as you know, Presence has a history that goes back about 45 years to the early 70s. We actually come from theology, but for the last four decades, we've been using a different interpretive key than the theologians and the theology that has come before. So instead of interpreting the biblical narrative as a story uh, of religion, per se, 
we interpret it more as the story of the evolution of spiritual consciousness. So when Ken, Ken Wilber talks about growing up, he's actually referring to the way we see the biblical narrative. In other words, you would start out with an archaic Adam, you'd move up to tribal Abraham, you'd move through Moses and David and all the way into the time of Jesus, and that for us represents the growing up or evolution of spiritual consciousness. And the culmination of that story results in a new level of consciousness. Wilbur and other people would call that level integral. We, using the biblical narrative, would say something like, it's new heaven and earth thinking or new heaven and earth consciousness. So human beings in the story begin with things like priesthoods, sacrificial rites, temples, land boundaries, etc., which is to say they begin in religion, but with the appearance of Jesus and the apostolic writers, they then point to a new way of seeing that's actually, in our opinion, beyond religion. And this, of course, is where we have a radical departure from the theology that's preceded us. In the story we see, it's universal, it's inclusive, and interconnected. And it's here that God becomes realized as all in all, rather than just all in some. And Wayne Teasdale, whom you quote, Kurt, numerous times in your book, The Coming Interspiritual Age, Wayne said that someday the only religion will be spirituality itself. Presence tweaks this just a bit by saying, from the biblical narrative, we see that someday the only human identity will be spirituality itself. So we don't use the narrative as a religious book, but rather we use it as the foundation for growing up. And so that's a very brief description, but it broadly describes our journey, Kurt. Oh, that's great. And I think, you know, what we had chatted about and so many times when we've been together and wanted to follow up on today, too, is that, you know, Ken Wilber has offered, actually, the new video, Revolutionary Spirituality, which is now posted at onegod.com slash convergence, which is the series website, and also there's two others that he's done recently, pointing to precisely, you know, what you're just saying, that uh, we're reaching a point now in the evolution of the world's religions where we're starting to understand that it's, it's, it's about how we behave with each other. It's not about the specific narratives and which ones are right. We're actually at a point where we can start to uh, understand, as Ken says, why through all of history we've had this paradox that religion on the one hand has been a source of, of love and caring and these teachings of mutuality and of world care, and at the same time they've been the single source also of war and hatred and torture and all kinds of heinous things that have been, you know, done for human beings to other human beings. And the question was, how could those two things come from the same source? But this distinguishing of the waking up, which is the understanding of direct experience, and the growing up, which is actually the developmental level, the behavioral level, that we apply that experience that makes that difference. So, you know, one of the really startling examples that everyone uses today is, uh, is, is in Islam, that Islam at the archaic level is ISIS, chopping off heads and abusing people at an incredible level. 
And yet Islam at the integral level or the higher developmental level is Rumi. And that's all about love and interconnectedness and profound uh, mutuality. And it's both Islam. So the difference is the developmental level and the behavior. So as you know, what's developing in this trans-narrative discussion is this putting the emphasis not on the narratives and who's right, but on the behaviors that, that are at the center of all of what these traditions have taught. Correct. And so for us, Kurt, we would talk about boundary-driven thinking, that in the evolution, as you move up levels, you have less and less boundaries, which is to say walls between people and also boundaries between you and higher reality, because no longer are you forming a group that is one with higher reality on the basis of doing, but rather it becomes a conscious or waking up thing that allows us to see the innate already being that we all are. Yeah, absolutely. And then what's interesting about that is that Ken Wilber, for instance, in these new videos, he's made very clear from developmental psychology and other sources, what are the four universal steps that everyone in any tradition tends to go through to reach that higher level development where their behavior is actually in sync with uh, the talk that they're talking, so that finally the walk, uh, the walk actually parallels uh, the talk. Now, I think we're going to need to move along here towards segment two, and to do that, which is going to be a wonderful discussion that you're going to have with Angie Thurston, I just want to go ahead and introduce her now here so that when we come back to the second segment, you guys will have that entire time. So Angie uh, is a millennial leader and a ministry innovation fellow at Harvard Divinity School. She's been working to deepen spiritual community amidst increasing religious disaffiliation. She's a graduate of Brown University, a ministry innovation fellow at Harvard Divinity School, and an on-being fellow. She's the author with Casper Turkile of How We Gather and Something More, which are two reports that profile new ways that Americans are congregating. Angie's also a leader in the International Fellowship of Urantia Book Readers, and she began chairing semi-annual spiritual gatherings for young adults in 2010 and is dedicated to connecting and supporting young community leaders nationwide. Now, Angie can be reached at www.angiethurston.com. That's A-N-G-I-E-T-H-U-R-S-T-O-N. And so we'll be back in a moment for the second segment for Doug and Angie. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Hello. We hope you are enjoying this series on the convergence, uniting the tribes in the interspiritual age. For those of you looking to take a deeper dive into any of this amazing material, Dr. Kurt Johnson has created an entire online learning program called Interspiritual Mastery, and we are thrilled to be hosting this course on our new education platform, One God Academy. The Interspiritual Mastery program will take you on a guided journey through the amazing developments in spirituality, ecology, indigenous wisdom, and more. 
giving you a window seat to the dawn of the interspiritual age. For more information on this exciting new program, please go to OneGod.com. That's the number one, G-O-D.com. And follow the links to the Academy. Join us in changing the world through the work of waking up and growing up. And let us all strive to unite the tribes in this interspiritual age. Hi friends, this is Ben from OneGod.com with a special announcement. We hope you're enjoying this radio series, The Convergence, a journey of waking up and growing up with Dr. Kurt Johnson and friends. Many of the ideas that have gone into making this series had their original expression through Kurt's landmark book, The Coming Into Spiritual Age. It's a modern day spiritual classic full of inspired thinking and heralding an optimistic future right within our grasp. As a special gift to listeners of The Convergence, Dr. Johnson is giving you the first four chapters as a gift. In these first 50 pages, Kurt and co-author David Ord lay out the framework for their grand, integrated, interspiritual vision, a vision that Ken Wilber says might very well change your world. To get your free download of this incredible gift, just go to onegod.com, that's the number one, G-O-D.com, and follow the links. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, god.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to The Convergence. This is your host, Dr. Kurt Johnson, and I've been talking with Doug King of Presence, the host sponsor of this series, about the future of the world's religions. And we had just introduced Angie Thurston to join Doug for this next segment. So, Doug, I'm going to turn it over to you now to discuss with Angie this whole phenomenon of transnarrative and transreligious movements, the millennial phenomenon, the so-called unaffiliated or non, or spiritual but not religious. So, Doug and Angie, it's all yours. Thank you very much, Kurt. I really appreciate that. And Angie... We've had a chance to get together and talk before, and it was a real pleasure, and certainly it's great to be with you here today. Welcome, Angie. Thank you, and the feeling is mutual. Well, let's get right to it, and I think an obvious place to start is for you to please give us an overview of your current two-year research project that you're doing, because that dovetails right into... Uh, the subject of where evolution, religion, and spirituality is going. So if you would do that for us, please. I would love to. So as Kurt mentioned, I am housed at the moment at Harvard Divinity School as a Ministry Innovation Fellow with Casper Turkile, and I should admit that this is a title that we made up for ourselves uh, (laughs) by virtue of this inquiry that we've been engaged in for the last three years or so, and I'll try to just briefly describe that, and it personally dates back for me to the experience of having grown up as what I have now discovered was unaffiliated religiously. As as was mentioned in my bio, I grew up with the Urantia book, this spiritual text being 
prevalent in my home and in my community, but it's not the basis of an organized religion. So I had a form of religiosity that was unhoused, as it were. And increasingly, as I grew up and made a home for myself in the arts, I became hungry for a sustained and committed spiritual community, and I didn't know where to find it. And what I did notice is that my peers all seemed to be likewise unhoused. I didn't find that living in Brooklyn, New York, amongst other millennials, there was very much by way of religious affiliation or identity or the sense of having a robust religious community that had a name. (laughs) And so I started wondering, well, where are my peers finding community and community that is meaningful and life-giving and challenging in, in a way that compels one to grow? If it's not in a religious context, then where is that happening? And and so I started chronicling examples of secular communities where there seemed to be some kind of meaningful experience of belonging. And one of the ready examples I give is something like CrossFit. CrossFit is, is a fitness community, but it's one where the joke is that if you know someone who does CrossFit, you know because they tell you. There's a strong right, degree right. of evangelical zeal in this kind of community. And so little by little, I started a spreadsheet that grew to hundreds of organizations around America that seemed to be fulfilling these kinds of functions in people's lives. And with Casper, the two of us began to chronicle some of the thematic overlap of what these communities seemed to be providing for people. And we narrowed it down to about six themes, which we described as community, as the umbrella, and then personal transformation, social transformation, creativity, purpose finding, and and some kind of accountability, people being held to the the people that they would want to become. And so as we as we did this and got to know these communities, we discovered more and more that despite their functional differences, they seem to be part of some kind of emerging ecosystem. And many people know the story that can sometimes be pretty doom and decline oriented about the the decrease in religious affiliation nationwide and especially amongst the rising generations. But what we were finding actually looked like a story of hope and a story of courage of people coming together, banding together. And yet very much to your point about the uh, sort of decline in joining something based on a creed or where the threshold to belonging has to do with a particular belief or narrative. Instead, these communities seem to be forming around shared practice and around shared action. So what might be called a sort of orthopraxy as opposed to an orthodoxy. Mm. And so that landscape of emerging communities and their leaders has become my focus and it's become Casper's focus. And so the two of us in this position we now have at Harvard Divinity School have the great joy of attempting to connect these leaders and their communities, bring them together to start to understand themselves as part of a broader landscape, a broader ecosystem, potentially a broader movement about the rising generation of spirituality. At this point, it's only in the United States where our focus is located. But as as we've done this work over the last three years, we have certainly noticed parallels happening in other parts of the world as well. So for now, it's supporting those communities in this two-year fellowship, uh, supporting those communities and their leaders, It's engaging with existing religious denominations and traditions to attempt to understand what is their role in relation to this emerging ecosystem, especially as religious disaffiliation continues. And then lastly, to continue the kind of public storytelling that we began with our two reports, How We Gather and Something More, which are really profiling what goes on in those communities, 
how people are finding them meaningful and and sort of challenging them to think about how could they deepen the experience of community for their participants and begin to form connections amongst each other to to really grow what could become a really strong uh, movement toward greater spiritual depth for for the rising generation in the U.S. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful description of what we would see as this evolution of spiritual consciousness. I'm curious, you know, when we last chatted, we had the discussion, Angie, about how people define spirituality. And I believe you gave the example of talking to the CEO of CrossFit. Could you kind of relate that story that, if I'm not mistaken, there wasn't any acknowledgement that it had anything to do with spirit, but, but you noticed some verbiage that was used that kind of changed that conversation a bit? Sure. Well, this is... This has been one of the great and wonderful surprises of the last three years for me is getting to know Greg Glassman, the CEO of CrossFit, uh, which I would never have expected to be a turn my life would take. But in our conversation, we had a we had a panel here at the Divinity School called CrossFit as Church exclamation point question mark, where we really got into got into it with him about well, this is a community where people are meeting their spouses and partners and bringing their children. People are moving to different parts of cities and to different cities sometimes in order to be close to their CrossFit box. That's what they call their gyms. Mm-hmm. And so we're really wondering, you know, okay, but okay, but what about God? Okay, but what about, how is this place forming people ethically? And I think it's a really fascinating potential fulcrum point right now, because there's there's real testimony that people will offer about how this community is, is transforming their life. And that, of course, starts with a promise to do with the physical. Greg calls it a metabolic truth. Uh, mm. But then as people stay engaged, they begin to form relationships with each other where they are, yes. Correct. And so, and so would, they, would, they, would they refer to that as spirituality? Well, some of them would and some of them would not. And so right. the, real, yes. Yes. the real question becomes how we begin to talk about this experience that people are having in a way that is, invitational to them rather than uh, something that causes an immediate disengagement. Because for many, the term spirituality does not resonate at this moment, as you well know. And so often it has more to do with values and more to do with ethics uh, rather than an explicit engagement with questions of spirituality. And yet there's a real opportunity, I think, given the power of what people are experiencing in these settings to, to begin to probe that. And the reason that we use the language of something more in our second report was because that's often what we heard people saying, that somehow these communities, such as CrossFit, were bringing them into relationship in a way that was giving them a different sense of themselves and a, a, a different form of, of mindedness that was causing them to think first or more of others over themselves. And that is one of the big factors, I think, at this moment, because the drift away from religious community, as it has been known, can lead to a kind of spiritual narcissism. But it can also lead, when community forms, to a different discovery about the shape that religious community could take. So that 
that is part of our investment in these emerging communities is feeling that if deepened, there's a real opportunity for them to, uh, to help people to grow in, in that spiritual way. Well, well Jim and Doug, that's uh, really great. What's interesting now is we're going to have a chance when we come back in the second half hour to talk to a number of leaders across the world's religions who will have given a chance to listen to your dialogue. And we're going to ask them to respond to this challenge that religion globally now appears to be going to. It's not about who's right, and it's not about the narrative. It's about how we behave and how we treat each other. And that community now, as uh, Angie was just saying, is about the nuts and bolts of real relationships and less about what people believe or what claims they make. So we're going to be back for the second half hour, and your host then will be Ben Bowler of our sponsoring host, OneGod.com. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Hello, everyone. This is Ben from OneGod.com. We hope you are enjoying this series, The Convergence, Uniting the Tribes in the Interspiritual Age. For those of you looking to take a deeper dive into any of this amazing material, Dr. Kurt Johnson has created a magnificent online learning program called Interspiritual Mastery. And we are thrilled to be hosting this course and our new education platform, One God Academy. The Interspiritual Mastery program will take you on a guided journey through amazing developments in spirituality, ecology, indigenous wisdom, and more, giving you a window seat to the dawn of the interspiritual age. For more information on this exciting new program, please go to onegod.com, that's the number one, G-O-D.com, and follow the links to the Academy. This is Ben from OneGod.com and World Weaver Spiritual Adventures with a very special invitation to join us on an upcoming interspiritual tour of India called The Mystic Express. We are so excited about this program and we've been working towards it for many years. Together with key hosts and luminary guests from the Convergence Radio series, we invite you to take the trip of a lifetime through the deeply mystical land of India, source to so many of the world's great spiritual traditions. You will be personally guided by learned masters through the traditions of Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism and Sufism. More than just an incredible learning journey, this promises to be a moving, soulful experience that will transform each of us and the way we see the world. This facilitated mystical journey is leaving Delhi on March 14, 2017 and finishes up back in Delhi on March 27. All aboard! For more information, go to worldweavers.com and look for the Mystic Express. World Weavers, Adventures of the Spirit. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, god.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back. My name is Ben Bowler from onegod.com, and you are listening to the Convergence Radio Series. 
Great thanks to Doug King, President of Presence International, and Angie Thurston, Ministry Innovation Fellow at Harvard Divinity School, for leading the discussion on the emergence of the trans-narrative movement, or what spirituality looks like when it goes beyond the structures of traditional religious forms. But what about the world's religions themselves? As we move deeper into the future, will all traditional religious forms cease to be relevant and become relics of history? Well, are religions themselves evolving and adapting and have yet a significant role to play uh, in the unfolding cosmic drama on our planet? To discuss this fascinating subject, we have a great lineup in this part of the show, hosted by renowned author and spiritual teacher, Dr. Andrew Vidic. Andrew Vidic is an award-winning author, consultant, and international speaker in the fields of meditation, mysticism, and leadership. He holds a doctorate in religion with specialization in the transformational methods within different religious traditions and a specialization in Islamic Sufism. Dr. Vidic was an adjunct professor of religion at Manhattan and Iona Colleges and taught courses in meditation, Islamic studies, religion, and death and dying. He has authored several books on modern mysticism and healing, and it is our great pleasure to have him on the show. Welcome, Andrew Vidic. Thank you very, very much, Ben. It is a real honor to be on the show and to discuss these topics, which are incredibly dear to my heart, and I think are really part of uh, the conversation that is going to be taking place in many, many, many circles in the future. I am um, honored to have two very distinguished and esteemed guests with me today, uh, to discuss this, these, um, these topics. And I'd like to introduce right now um, our first guest, whose name is uh, Dr. Daryl Bryant. And Dr. Daryl Bryant is the director of the Center of Dialogue and Spirituality in the World Religions. He was educated at Concordia College, Harvard Divinity School, and University of St. Michael's College in Toronto. And he has authored or edited more than 25 volumes, including Religion, in a new key and Muslim-Christian dialogue. He has been involved in interfaith dialogue since the mid-1970s. A sabbatical with his family in India transformed his approach to religious pathways of Hinduism, Islam, Tibetan Buddhism, and the Sikh traditions, as well as travels in China, changed his approach to Confucianism, Taoism, and the Chinese Buddhist way. The dialogue of the intercultural and interreligious world remains his passion, and he received the Houston Smith Interfaith Educator Award for 19, 2011. My second guest, which I'd like to introduce as well, uh, someone who, uh, whose writings I'm very familiar with personally and have great respect for the work that he's done, Kabir Helminski, is a translator of the works of Rumi and others itself back to Jalaluddin Rumi and co-director of the Threshold Society and director-founder of the Baraka Institute. From 2000 to 2010, he was the co-director of the Book Foundation, publishing the work of Muhammad Assad and the developing a series of books on Islamic education. In 2009 and subsequent years, Kabir was named as one of the most 500 most influential Muslims in the world today by the Georgetown University and the Royal Strategic Studies Center in Jordan. He has toured all over North America as sheikh within the whirling dervishes of Turkey, bringing Sufi culture to more than 100,000 people. His books on spirituality, living presence, and the knowing heart have been published in at least eight languages. So, welcome to both of you uh, today. It's a pleasure to have you, you both. Thank you. Thank you. 
I'd like to kind of begin our discussion by just throwing out a question, which uh, I'm going to ask uh, Daryl to give his perspective on first, and then Kabir, if you could just follow right after that. Um, and the question already very nicely set in the right context by, uh, by Ben um, is about what is the rightful role uh, that we see, or traditional religions, if you will, uh, in the coming, emerging next 20 to 30 years. So I guess I would say what significant changes do you see emerging in this global landscape uh, of spirituality over the next 20 or 30 or even half uh, a century? Daryl, do you want to take that? Well, I'm glad to, that we started with such a little question. <laughs> this was a big, challenging issue. And I want to begin by saying I very much believe we are in a time of epical transition. Transition not only for the religions, but for the whole of humankind. Now, after I retired in 2007, I spent three years writing an encyclopedia of religion in the modern world. And in that process, I became especially aware of three things. First, we do not have a single term that adequately covers the panorama of the human quest for transcendence or for spirituality. Religion is a term that we use in the West, but people outside the West use other terms to speak about their ways of moving us towards transcendence or towards new forms of spirituality. Buddhists speak of awakening, Hindus speak of Sanatana Dharma, Confucians speak of Xiao, and I prefer to call all of these ways, ways that seek to connect one to the divine. And these traditions have been around for millennia. Hinduism has been around for roughly 5,000 years. The Jewish tradition is 3,200 years old. Confucian and Taoist traditions are at least 2,500 years old. Christianity has been around since for 2,000 years, and Islam for 1,400. And each of these ways has many different streams. So the second thing I would like to say is that the quest for the sacred appears to be a constituent feature of the human being. It was there at the beginning, and it will be there at the end. But thirdly, while the core teachings of these traditions remain relatively constant, the interpretation, the living out of these ways, the packaging and practices of each of these ways are always shifting, developing, declining, renewing, and each of these ways have profoundly different patterns of authority and belonging. Now, one of the marks of this dawning era of interspirituality, which I understand is the mutual recognition and cooperation of the great religious spiritual pathways of humankind, and in that dawning era, a common concern that is emerging is the well-being of our planet, and it is leading all traditions 
to recognize and acknowledge that we are all in this together. This will lead to a convergence that acknowledges our shared aspirations and hopes and that our important differences only enhance the well-being of the whole. So I uh, welcome the interspiritual age, but I think we've been premature if we think that means the disappearance of these great traditions that have been with us for a very, very long time. So, you, know, you kind of see them morphing into uh, new forms where, by somehow maintaining a great deal of the core and the essence. Um, would, is, is that a kind of a, a succinct... Sure, a good summary. Yeah. Um, thank you. I just want... We have a... Kabir, I'm going to come back to you right now. We'll, we'll get some more response from you on this, but let me just ask you to address it. You're coming from a very different background as someone who is... Um, embraced a very profound uh, tradition, uh, mystical tradition. How would you respond to the same, to the, essentially the same question, which is what, what, what is going to be the, or what do you envision as the role of traditional religion? And I would like to add one other thing. How do you think mysticism within that traditional religion, mm-hmm. particularly Islam, is going to change or evolve? Well, in the Islamic mystical tradition, we, of course have forms that have always been understood to be a means to attain to reality. And if the forms become an idol, they become an obstacle to reality. But the forms, uh, which, by the way, were not necessarily, in our opinion, man-invented arbitrary forms, but they're something that have come down uh, from a higher level of reality. But the causality is with that higher level of reality. And therefore, uh, we don't necessarily believe that the human being is in a position to originate uh, forms or necessarily to uh, improvise with them. For instance, we could substitute toning for <clears throat> a traditional chants, but the traditional chants may have an objective um, power that the abstracted toning might not have. The important thing is that we understand what the purpose is, and the purpose is to unite the human heart with reality. Seven, eight centuries ago... We're going to start another segment here, um, but for right now, let me just um, um, bring this section to a close here. Uh, We're going to take a little break in here, and we will come back again uh, to... Uh, go into a little bit more depth, but um, uh, we've got a lot to chew on here. Um, so I'm going to sign off at this point here. I know our technician should be coming in for a second here. And we'll welcome you back in a few minutes um, for the segment four. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Hello. We hope you are enjoying this series on the convergence, uniting the tribes in the interspiritual age. 
For those of you looking to take a deeper dive into any of this amazing material, Dr. Kurt Johnson has created an entire online learning program called Interspiritual Mastery, and we are thrilled to be hosting this course on our new education platform, One God Academy. The Interspiritual Mastery Program will take you on a guided journey through the amazing developments in spirituality, ecology, indigenous wisdom, and more, giving you a window seat to the dawn of the interspiritual age. For more information on this exciting new program, please go to onegod.com. That's the number one, G-O-D.com. And follow the links to the Academy. Join us in changing the world through the work of waking up and growing up. And let us all strive to unite the tribes in this interspiritual age. Hi friends, this is Ben from OneGod.com with a special announcement. We hope you're enjoying this radio series, The Convergence, a journey of waking up and growing up with Dr. Kurt Johnson and friends. Many of the ideas that have gone into making this series had their original expression through Kurt's landmark book, The Coming Into Spiritual Age. It's a modern-day spiritual classic full of inspired thinking and heralding an optimistic future right within our grasp. As a special gift to listeners of The Convergence, Dr. Johnson is giving you the first four chapters as a gift. In these first 50 pages, Kurt and co-author David Ord lay out the framework for their grand, integrated, interspiritual vision, a vision that Ken Wilber says might very well change your world. To get your free download of this incredible gift, just go to onegod.com, that's the number one, G-O-D.com, and follow the links. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, god.com. Now back to this week's program. Okay, welcome back. This is Andrew Vidic here. Um... We have two with us, two very distinguished guests, Dr. Daryl Bryant and Dr. B- and Kabir Helminski. Uh, we're going to be talking about the future of world's religions on this segment of the radio uh, segment. I'd like to come back to the discussion we had with Kabir um, in talking about forms which evolve and forms which don't evolve. So, Kabir, could you could just elucidate a little bit more what you meant by these forms that are divinely inspired, and what, what, what did you mean by those forms? If we look across the traditions, we will often see that, that there have been individuals who have had some relationship with what we might call the unseen, with a higher level of reality. We see it in Native American traditions. We certainly see it in Islamic traditions and, of course, others. So where does the causality lie? Is it human beings who are generating these forms and generating these religions? Or is there something flowing towards human beings? Uh, is there a relationship with a greater intelligence um, and that, in a sense, gifts certain uh, possibilities, certain forms, uh, certain, and including certain insights and even certain knowledge that comes from a higher level uh, to the human being? Those forms 
can be received, and then they can also calcify or become uh, sclerotic. They become obstacles, idols, if we forget what their original purpose was, and if we forget that they are a means for the human being, <coughs> consciousness of the human being, to access um, a more comprehensive reality. In other words, uh, a, a greater breadth of awareness, including heart awareness, not just mental awareness, but uh, a heart awareness that connects us with what I'll call the realm of value and values, those things that are fundamentally important to us. If we were to give the task to, let's say, a really brilliant graduate student, uh, create a religion for us from, you know, the best of what you know of the world's traditions. Uh, would such a project be likely to produce something that is truly transformative for the human being in the way that certain uh, revelations and enlightenment experiences have produced uh, paths, paths that lead toward what I would rather call the real rather than the divine. But of course, that's the same thing. I think the ultimate purpose of the human spiritual quest uh, is to come to a comprehensive experience of reality. And that reality, of course, arises from within the depths of the human heart. Uh, it is not to be necessarily found in theologies or belief systems, and yet there are, uh, there are powerful transformative ideas, and there are sounds, and there are postures, and there are ceremonies that help to mediate the experience of higher reality mm -hmm. for the human being. So I really see causality. I'd like to pick up there, especially on what you said about these uh, teachings and practices being means to facilitate that encounter with the real. Because it seems to me that that's something that, that all traditions to a certain extent, are recognized that, um, that when we're dealing with the real, with the ultimate, with the sacred, that, um, that uh, there's, a, there's always this um, degree of that they always exceed us and are beyond us, um, but they reveal themselves to us in a way that can facilitate our coming into a living and vital relationship with the real. Yes, yes. Sometimes that distinction is between sort of esoteric and exoteric ways of understanding the religions. So, uh, and I also think it's, here. it's um, very... Thank you, thank you, Daryl. Thank you, Kabir. Um, the question that I wanted to ask was that moving this essential core, is this essential core of a mystical experience, is it something that is evolving or is it simply the approaches that may be changing and evolving to get to it, but the core experience remains the same? Um, Daryl, why don't you take that for, for a minute or two? Well, I I would just to say very very quickly that what we're what is the core 
element in all the religions that we're aiming at. Okay, the core element is an experience, is an experience, and it is an experience that links us to the divine, to the real. It is an experience, as say in the in the Buddhist tradition, of awakening. And each of these traditions speak about this 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 central experience or what it, what we could say is the the spiritual core of each traditions in their own distinctive ways mm-hmm. and they understand the practices the rituals the teachings of that tradition as seeking to assist us in making our way towards this transformative experience that lies at the heart of each of our traditions. Mm-hmm. Kabir, uh, I, do you want to pick up on that um, and take yeah, it wherever you'd like? I, I think, I think uh, Daryl, you, you made a, a very profound point. Kabir, you are, I hope we're on the same page here. Take it wherever you would like. Yeah, I, w- I would propose to us that... Uh, The question, is enlightenment today the same as enlightenment 10,000 years ago? And I would say yes, except uh, except that our level of cultural development is very, very different. Mm -hmm. And I hesitate to try to define enlightenment, but let's say that for the human being at least, enlightenment is the unitive experience of ourselves, with the greater reality. Right. And what that would mean for somebody 10,000 years ago uh, is, is one, it would happen in one way. But for somebody at our level of cultural development now, uh, with different values, with uh, different uh, capacities, mental capacities, uh, and a different physical environment, that it would take... Uh, the enlightenment experience would be similar, but how it gets applied in terms of our level of cultural development would be different. So what's, what's changing is the level of cultural development for the average, average human being. But if we go back seven centuries, let's say, to the time of Rumi, what Rumi and Shams of Tabriz attained and experienced, what a Sufi mystic of that time attained and experienced, uh, may be already so far beyond what what a majority of people might be able to experience 20 years from now. And yet humanity is moving toward and into that more comprehensive, uh, shall we say, receptivity to mystical experience on the average. But there have always been great beings whose, whose experience and wisdom and knowledge of reality far exceeds the average level of, of humanity. That's my point so, I would like so, to make. So just, we're going to wrap up. We have 30 seconds here. I'm, I'm just going to take the liberty of trying to draw a couple of threads together. Um, the core experience is essentially the same, both of you are saying, but the context in which is it experienced, because it may be evolving at, to a higher level of awareness, is immediately kind of uh, mitigated by that cultural experience. Um, and, and the values of the time. So what we might see in the future is um, a much higher level 
a number of people who are having this core experience and a higher evolutionary um, understanding of the importance of that, um, maybe as a cross-cultural experience, um, as, as humanity itself, as the numbers of people who actually have that experience grow. Um, yeah. One last, maybe 10 seconds, we have a, maybe a few seconds left. Uh, Daryl, final comment? Just that the great joy of my life has been to learn from my spiritual brothers and sisters of the riches and truths of all of these traditions, and their ways have deepened and enriched my understanding of the sacred, and that's what I think the future opens to all of us. Beautifully said. And, and Kabir, a final word? I would like to say that what I hope religion can contribute to humanity is a sense of humility and our need for the divine, our need for this higher reality. And uh, I think the best of religion does this, mm-hmm. period. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I want to I wanna thank you both. Um, I really wish I could spend an hour uh, <laughs> in this conversation because there's so many rich, 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 rich uh, uh, points and, and, and configurations that, that could come out of this. And it's an important, important discussion, but... Our time is limited, but I want to thank you both. It's been wonderful having you both on this um, very short segment. And, thank you. Um, thank you again for joining us for this uh, important and Thank video. you, Andrew. Thank yes, you. Thank you for facilitating this, Andrew. And everybody. All right, so thank you uh, so much, Dr. Andrew Vidic, for moderating uh, this exciting second half of our discussion on the future of the world's religions, and to Doug King for hosting our discussion in the first half of the hour. Now, we're going to acknowledge this has been a short conversation, and that's why we invite you to keep an eye on our website, onegod.com slash convergence, under Continue the Conversation, because we're going to be consulting Andrew, Kabir, and Daryl about how to add additional materials to this ongoing conversation, and we look forward to that. We've already done that in making a video with Father Thomas Keating and Locke Kelly, and we'll probably propose shooting a video with the guests that we had today so that they can really take this up uh, uh, with much more time. Now, this has been the second of two episodes on the convergence about the future of religions as we enter this global and multicultural era in our planet's history, which is so important and pivotal. Next week on the convergence, we're going to move the subject that naturally follows this one, and that's going to be a conversation about peace. Theologian Hans Kung said at the founding of the United Nations in 1946, there could be no peace among the nations until there is peace among the religions. So the specter of peace is perhaps the most poignant question on our planet today. Our host for the Convergence episode on peace will be Philip Helmich, the director of peace for the Shift Network, and he'll be convening a discussion among leaders in that area worldwide. So join us then on The Convergence, and in the meantime, have a great New Year's holiday. Thank you for joining our team, Dr. Kurt Johnson, Ben Bowler, and Doug King for The Convergence. We invite you to tune in again next Thursday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for another edition of the program. Until we talk again, have an outstanding week.
Elections read like tragedies Democracy wakes up diseased Yeah Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.